Okay, well, it is good to be here, and we are in the Gospel of Mark. And the reason you know that is because uh, this is now week number 28 in the Gospel of Mark. That's right. It's pretty exciting. It's almost become comfortable for me to preach a series this long. Almost, all right? Uh, but uh, we have been, over the last uh, couple weeks, we have been, been in chapter 6, and we're going to be in chapter 6 for uh, a couple more weeks at least, because chapter 6 is just filled with all kinds of exciting stuff uh, that I think is very important for us to grab a hold of. But today, as we dive into verses 30 through 34, I want to begin by just telling you that, you know, as what we're going to become aware of today in this passage of scripture is we're going to begin, uh, we're going to become aware of and we're going to be reminded yet again of how much love and compassion that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has for each one of us today. Uh, as we continue through chapter 6, I just kind of want to uh, go back and just kind of real quick just talk about some of the things that we've hit so far in this chapter. Uh, it's, it's been quite a, uh, a, a buffet uh, of topics. We began this, uh, this chapter with dealing with Jesus going back to his hometown and being rejected in his own town. He went back to his hometown and, uh, and his family and those that he grew up with um, didn't quite understand what he was, going, what he was doing, didn't understand uh, the gospel and who he was. Uh, and, then, and then we, after that, Jesus takes his 12 and prepares them, and it's time uh, to kind of push them out of the nest a little bit. And so Jesus sends the 12 out. And they go out and he tells them just to take the clothes on your back and to go into, uh, into the town and proclaim the gospel. And if somebody opens their home up for you, for you, for you to go in there and to stay until, until the time is done. And then if they reject you, you know, shake the dust off your feet and, and move on to the next town. And then last week, we talked about the horrific death of John the Baptist. And uh, we talked about... Uh, all that was involved in that. And so today, uh, we're going to move on. And, and this is an exciting chapter because what's going to happen is, is this chapter is going to conclude, but this is going to be in another week. It's not going to be today, okay? But it's going to conclude with Jesus performing another incredible miracle uh, as he walks on water, all right? Uh, but like I said, that's another sermon for another day, all right? So today, however... We're going to talk about Jesus' interaction with his disciples as they come back uh, from where he has sent them off. And we're going to, we're going to talk about uh, those who are desperate in need uh, of his provision. And so, I don't know, for me it's impossible uh, to consider the passage that we're going to look at today and miss the compassion of Jesus Christ for those in need. And I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord today. I don't know where you're at in life today. But what I want you to know before I say anything else here today is I want you to know how much Jesus loves you. And he cares so much about you and your life and the things that you are facing in life. And while we may be tempted at times 
to think that God is way up there and we're way down here and that he's not interested in our problems, our struggles. He is actually very, very, very near to us at every single moment of our lives. And he is concerned with our needs. You see, the compassionate character revealed in our Lord Jesus Christ in the Scripture still exists and still remains in each of our lives today. And I want you to grab a hold of that. We grab a hold of that with me today? Say amen. Because you see, today we have the assurance that Jesus knows our need and he cares about the situations that life throws at us. I want to open up with a word of prayer and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much that no matter what the struggles are that we have in life, no matter what this world throws at us, no matter how many trials we face, we can be assured that you are always there with us and that your love and your compassion for us is beyond anything that we could ever even begin to imagine. And I thank you for that, Lord. I ask that you would just move in this message today. Lord, may your words be spoken in your words alone. And I pray this in your most precious name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to be looking at verses 30 through 34 of chapter 6, and I just want to begin today with verse 30 through 32, looking at Jesus as he's interacting with his disciples. They've just come back from this road trip that he sent them on, all right? And so verse 30 says this. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and all that they had taught. Now, like I said, Marcus, or, or Marcus in, this, in this portion, he is referring to the time following the events recorded in verses 7, 7 through 13. So in 7 through 13, that's when he sent them out, okay? Uh, the Lord had sent the disciples out to minister among the towns and the villages, and following the completion of their journey, they have all returned to Jesus, and they're having a huddle, they're having a powwow. They're having a talk uh, about their encounters, okay? Now, no doubt, I can't imagine what these guys are experiencing. They've just come back from their first trip, you know. They've just been sent out. I mean, these guys had to have been excited about the initial endeavor into personal ministry. I mean, they have spent all this time training with Jesus, and now they are going out. And they come back, and they're sitting down with Jesus, and they're having a discussion with him, okay? And so the first thing that they're talking about, they, I, I, they're talking about the work itself, okay? They tell the Lord all the things, including what they have done while they're out. Now, I'm obviously reading into this a little bit, okay? We don't have all the details of the conversation here. Uh, but these men, they were genuinely excited to be actively engaged in ministry efforts, and they wanted to tell 
Jesus about it, okay? And I imagine they probably shared the triumphs, and I imagine they probably shared some of the struggles. I'm sure that there were probably some situations where, you know, Peter probably said, I had to shake that dust off, man, and I shook it off so hard that I hit the guy with my foot. Now, that's not in the Bible, so don't tell, tell anybody I said that, okay? But, but they shared the trials, they shared the triumphs, they shared the struggles, okay? And what I want you to know about that, the reason I'm bringing this up is because while Jesus knows our heart, and he's always aware of our lives, he desires, now listen to this, he desires us to bring our joys and our burdens to him. Did you hear that? You see, we need, I believe, to be more intentional about sharing our lives and our aspirations with our Heavenly Father, even the smallest of details. We must seek His guidance as we strive to serve Him. I think a lot of times in life, if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in life itself that we don't stop and spend enough time with the Lord, sharing with Him, being in conversation with Him, sometimes even being silent so that we can hear what He has to say for us, to us. You see, our Heavenly Father wants to be in relationship with us. He wants us to spend time with Him. And so as Jesus is gathering with His disciples, He's listening to what they're going through. He's listening to the stuff, and they're sharing with it. And that's what we need to understand. You see, we've been all called into ministry. We've been all called to go out and to do things for the Lord. But sometimes I think if we're not careful, we can become so focused on the doing for our Lord and Savior that we don't spend any time being with our Lord and Savior. You think that's true? Amen? So in verse 30, they're talking with him. And as they talk with Jesus, they move on and they share their witness. And as they, they talk with Jesus concerning their journey, uh, they also share with him uh, what they taught, you know. And, and, and likely they had shared uh, how various people responded to their teachings and the ways that they sought to improve. And they also probably desired affirmation that they had shared sound doctrine. I'm sure, sure some of them were talking with Jesus and they said, you know, uh, in this town I shared this and this. It, is that, did I, did I do that right? And Jesus probably said, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I taught you. That's what I told you to share with them. Or maybe he said, you know, yeah, I taught you that, but you, you, you might have been a little more compassionate in sharing it than I would have probably, I would have probably shared it with a little more love than what you did, Peter. Okay, you know, you gotta, you still gotta work off some of those edges, you know. Uh, they also probably, they, they were looking to, to know that what they were doing was correct. They were seeking additional wisdom and instruction for their lives as they attempted to teach the word and reach others with the gospel. And what I, I also want you to understand about that today is that it is imperative if we are going to follow Jesus and we are truly going to live and love like Jesus 
It is imperative that we spend time in prayer. We spend time with the Lord as we prepare to do what he's called us to do. You see, when I prepare a message for Sunday mornings, probably the first two or three days of the week, I spend time in prayer before I ever start writing, before I ever start putting things down. You see, I could, realistically, I could just wait till Saturday night. I could get online. I could download a sermon, you know. I could probably download a sermon. I, I, I have a minor in drama. Did you guys know that? I know it's hard to believe. I do, okay? I was almost a drama major. I was also almost a, a, an accounting major. I was also almost a, a, a math major. I was also almost a management major. I was also almost a, a lot of different, other, I don't remember all the different majors. I changed my major seven times in the first year of college. I don't ever want to stand up here and just regurgitate something to you. I want to stand up here and when I open my mouth and I speak, I don't want it to be Steve speaking. I want it to be the Holy Spirit. I want it to be my Heavenly Father speaking through. And the only way that I can do that is to spend time with him listening in prayer and in communication with him before I step up on this platform. And let me just say this to each and every one of us. Whether you teach in the children's church or whether you're a discipler or whether you work as a connection ministry or whether you're, you're making coffee back there or you're a greeter or whatever you do, the most important thing for us to remember is that we ought to be doing it as though we were doing it for the Lord, to the Lord. And what that requires of all of us is that we spend time with the Lord in order to be obedient to the Lord. And so as they were spending time with the Lord, it's a reminder to us that, folks, it's very important for us as followers of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be the followers that He wants us to be, if we're ever going to do the things that He wants us to do correctly, we have to first spend time with Him listening to what He is saying to us. Amen? And so as Jesus, as we move on in verse 31, as Jesus talked with the disciples, he was concerned about their well-being. And so we see in here, he said to them, he said, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Now, I'm excited about some of the lessons that we're going to learn out of this passage of Scripture because we need to remember that this conversation, it followed their initial journey into ministry by themselves, okay? Up until this point, everything that they had done ministry-wise, Jesus had been right there with them, all right? And so they had been faithful to the Lord's work and let's just be honest, it had taken a toll on them, okay? It's obvious. He says to them, he says, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. So Jesus is seeing in them that there is a toll that has taken place. They have been faithful, and it's evident that they were needed 
that they needed uh, a well-deserved rest. And so they had been busy. They had been out traveling. They had been doing all the things that he had called them to do. They had been dealing with everyone coming and going that they hadn't even had time to eat. Man, that's wrong. Everybody knows I love to eat. They didn't even have time to eat. And so Jesus, in this passage, he wants them to separate themselves from their work for a season of rest and renewal. Now, they were exhausted, probably no doubt physically. They were exhausted emotionally. They were even exhausted spiritually. Any of you ever been exhausted in any of those ways? No? Yes? Yeah. I've experienced, I've experienced physical exhaustion. I've experienced emotional exhaustion. I don't know where my wife is, but she experiences emotional exhaustion every day because she is with me, you know? And I've experienced, I've experienced spiritual exhaustion, all right? These guys, they're experiencing physically, physical, emotional, and spiritual exhaustion. They have poured themselves out for the good of others. And so Jesus is talking to him, and he says they need time to evaluate what they've done to refuel physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Now, the message that comes out of this, what this is for us sitting here today, is that while our Lord never encourages laziness, all right? There's nowhere in Scripture it says, hey, just be lazy for Jesus, all right? It doesn't happen. What he does understand and he does emphasize is that we need to rest. Now, those of you who are going through emotionally healthy spirituality class right now, what did we talk about this last Wednesday night? Sabbath. Sabbath. That's right. We talked about the Sabbath. Our bodies were divinely designed, and they were designed divinely with a need for rest. There is nothing spiritual about running yourself ragged, ignoring uh, the need for rest, and there is nothing sinful about taking time away from, and I better get an amen on this one, there's nothing sinful about taking time, some time away from the demands of life and ministry to rest. Amen? Mark chapter 2, verse 27, and Tolliver, don't look for this passage because I forgot to put it in there, okay? It says, then he told them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. You see, what we need to grab a hold of there is that Jesus is telling us very clearly, if you're going to serve me, if you're going to do what I have called you to do, and you're going to do it in a healthy way, the way I have created you to be, you are going to have to take time to rest so that you can be healthy. And so the, the, the Sabbath was designed for us to be healthy. It's not designed to be, uh, the Sabbath is not, oh, it's, a, it's supposed to be a day of laziness. 
It's not supposed to be a, a, a day of, uh, oh, I just get to just shirk all my responsibilities. The Sabbath was designed to keep us healthy so that the other six days we are able to do what he has called us to do. I mean, go back to Genesis chapter 1. What did God do on the seventh day? Rested. I'm thinking that if God took a rest on the seventh day, maybe it might be okay for us. What do you think? Should we model after him? Amen? Now, that's not to say, that's not to say anywhere near that, you know, well, if God gets a rest, I get a rest too. That's not what I mean by that. What I'm saying here is that the way he created us is he created us to be healthy, and we need to take a Sabbath. And a Sabbath is more than just sleeping all day, and we could talk about that another time. All right, let's move on to verse 32. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. That's one of my favorite verses. Ever want to just go away in a boat by yourself to a remote place? Anybody like to do that? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm like waiting for him to call me to get in a boat. Because I'm going to be like, okay, all right? We will discover that this season of rest is short-lived for them. But what I want you to realize is that the disciples responded obediently to the Lord and they went into a desert place alone with him by boat, okay? Now Jesus chose the place of seclusion apart from the demands and distractions of the world and ministry for them to rest. We, we need such a place of rest and a place of seclusion and serenity apart from the many demands that we face in life. If you don't have a place like that, I'm going to encourage you to find a place like that and to guard that place. It is a place that we all need to resort to frequently in order to remain rested and ready to serve the Lord. I have heard way too many stories in my 27 years of ministry about pastors and leaders who have experienced burnout. Do you realize for every one minister coming into the ministry today, statistically speaking, approximately to eight to ten ministers are leaving the ministry for everyone coming in. The seminaries can't keep up. The reason people are experiencing burnout, the reason why people are abandoning, is because they are exhausted and they are not listening to the commands and the demands of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is telling us in order for you to be effective, you have got to find a place for rest. 
Now that doesn't imply that we lock ourselves away from the world and we ignore our responsibilities, but it does mean that we all have a place where we can rest and we can fellowship with our Lord and Savior. And so that's what he's telling them there. And so we move on to verse 33. But many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. Now, I just want you to know up front, when you take a rest, the moment you come back from that rest, it's on, like Donkey Kong. All right? That's the way it works. I always looked for, I wanted to look for a way to say that in a sermon one time. On like Donkey Kong. I don't know what that means. I used to play Donkey Kong when I was a kid. Any of you play Donkey Kong? I'm ADD. Yeah. The rest of you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? All right. And so in verse 33, uh, but many of them saw leaving and they recognized and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. These are people with great need, all right? While many of them were optimistic, maybe, seeking only what Jesus could provide material, what they all needed was they stood in need of Jesus. Regardless of whatever their intentional motives or initial motives, as they saw Jesus and the disciples depart from by boat, they decided to follow them by walking around the shore of the Sea of Galilee. I want you to understand this. Okay, so when Jesus and the disciples get into the boat, they're going to cross over the Sea of Galilee, all right? Now, crossing over the Sea of Galilee is approximately four miles, all right? So four miles as a boat goes, all right? It would have taken approximately 10 miles for the people to walk around the shore to get to where Jesus and the disciples were headed. The multitude knew if they hurried, they could likely make the trip around on land as quickly as they would be able to make it by boat. And in this, what we discover here is the overwhelming determination of the people to get to Jesus. There's an elephant in the room today. Not literally. As I read this passage here, I have to ask myself, would I be as committed as these folks are to getting to where Jesus is. I have to ask myself in my personal life, in my ministry, in my walk, am I as committed as I see represented in this passage of Scripture? Do we possess that type of commitment? I'm not sure that we do. You see, we need to be committed. We need to commit to being near to Jesus at whatever 
the cost. We need him in our midst as desperately as this multitude of people needed him in their midst. Because you see, this morning, he alone can provide what we need in life. Our only hope is to remain in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Verse 34 goes on and it says, When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. What I find interesting here is as much compassion as he had for his disciples who had just come off of this road trip, the compassion that he had for them to see them take some time of rest, to see them restored, to see them experience some energy and restoration and relaxation, the same level of compassion immediately transfers from the disciples to the crowd. You see, that's the reason why our Lord and Savior is the model for us today of what it means to be compassionate. You see, this is one of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture, in my opinion. It reveals the genuine concern Jesus had for the multitude. His concern remains with all of humanity today. Amen? So as we look at verse 34, it says, When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd. Now as Jesus stepped out of the boat onto the shore, he immediately saw a multitude waiting for him. No doubt he had recognized the sheer numbers that stood before him. This was a large gathering of people. He saw them collectively, but this is what's so amazingly crazy. Not only did he see this crowd collectively, but he saw each one of them individually. When he looks down upon humanity, when he looks down upon this earth, when he looks down into this room here today, he sees every one of us here today. But what's even more important is that he sees each one of us individually because that's how important we are to him. That's powerful. He saw them collectively, but I am also convinced that he saw them individually. I do not imply that he sees, saw each one of their faces, but no doubt Jesus noticed individuals in the crowd. And as he surveyed the crowd, he sensed the needs of the people. You see, it is beyond our ability to comprehend, but Jesus has total awareness of those who are here. He sees 
and he understands the needs of our lives. He understands the needs of this congregation collectively, but he also understands the needs of each one of us sitting here in this room today. He is aware of the needs of our individual families, and he is aware of the burdens each one of us carries, and he is Lord of the multitude, and he is Lord also of the individual all at the same time. Wow. And so it goes on and it says, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. You see, when Jesus stepped off the boat, he surveyed the multitude and he immediately sensed their need. He knew they stood before him as sheep having no shepherd. They were confused about which path to travel in life. They were seeking direction from him. They were vulnerable. They were afraid. They were needing one to guard and protect them. They were desperate. They were hungry, needing one to lead them to pastures green and lush. As Jesus saw them, he he exactly and accurately assessed what their needs were and he was there for them. And we, we, listen, we live in a world where many are wandering aimlessly as sheep without a shepherd and we're standing at crossroads. Many of us in life wondering which path to take. We're vulnerable. We're alone. We're needing someone to provide help and assurance in life. We're hungry spiritually. Our, 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 our life may be a mess. Uh, we may need to feed from the great provision of the Lord, but if we are aware of that, He is there for us. Jesus already knows. And He sees us where we are. I want you to be reminded of that today. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter what struggle you are experiencing right now, no matter how hard it may seem right now, and your frustration level may be through the roof, you may be at the end of your rope, you may have tied a knot two or three times. Anybody been there? I want you to be reminded of the fact Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. He has not abandoned you. But his ways are not yours. His timing is not always yours. He doesn't do things always the way we want them to be done. He doesn't always do things when we want them to be done. But I can promise you without a shadow of a doubt that he knows what you're going through and in his perfect timing, he will see you through. I don't know what you're supposed to learn in this moment or in this season uh, of struggle. I don't know what you're supposed to maybe be teaching somebody else in this season of struggle. I don't know what you're supposed to be, why you're supposed to be experiencing this, or what kind of whatever's going to happen down the road because of this. I can't speak to that. 
but I can speak to the fact that he's with you no matter what. Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them because that is who he is. Amen? You see, we find a profound statement here. Jesus was moved with compassion toward them. This carries the idea of feeling deeply to yearn, feeling sympathy while showing compassion and pity. Jesus didn't just recognize their great need. I want you to also understand something. He felt it also. It wasn't a scene he could look upon and walk away from. He was deeply moved by the need of the people, and he felt compelled to act on their behalf. Jesus isn't just aware of our need. He doesn't just see our needs. He feels our needs. As we stand in need, he is moved with compassion toward us. You see, what our Heavenly Father yearns for is he yearns to provide what we desperately need in life. He takes no pleasure in any one of us suffering. God is not up there looking down upon us, going, he, God's not up there with Jesus going, hey, let's look, let's let's see how we can trip up, let's see how we can trip up John and Tabitha today. Watch this. I'm gonna throw this down there. He doesn't, he doesn't stand up there and like, hey, Joey and Aaron, man, they're really loving Jesus. Boop, drop down something, you know? That's not the God we serve. Now, don't get me wrong. We live in a fallen and broken world, and the enemy is roaming around. And the enemy's trying to trip us up all the time. But it's not God. It's not Jesus. He is moved with compassion toward us. And he yearns to provide what we desperately need. He desires us to come before him to confess our need and to reach up to receive what he is providing. It's amazing to me that sometimes what we do is we stand back and we say, you provide for me, Lord, and if you don't, I'm going to turn my back on you. And what he's saying to us is he's saying, I want to provide for you. Just show me that you want to receive. You know? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. You see, we fail to realize it at times, but Jesus understands every situation we face. He's experienced the hurt of betrayal and rejection. He wept at the grave of a friend. He knew loneliness and hurt. He suffered beyond imagination as he hung on the cross. 
He endured the guilt and shame of the sin of the world. Yes, he knows the need you have. He knows the need that I have, and he does understand. He is moved with compassion toward us, and he wants to provide the grace and the provision that we need. We need to receive it. He's given us the assurance. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them with many things. Now, I don't have a clue what Jesus shared with the multitude of that day. I don't know. It says he taught them many things. I don't know what he taught them, but, but I know he spoke to their need. I'm convinced he... He shared passages of Scripture that offered insight, that offered comfort, that gave guidance, okay? He likely spoke to them uh, of his being the great shepherd who provides salvation and security for all who look to him. As the people came to Jesus desiring to receive help, he responded to their need. I don't know if you realize this today, but you are blessed beyond measure because you're here today. Now, don't take that the wrong way. I'm not saying you're blessed beyond measure for being here today because I've preached or, or because of anyone else. You are blessed to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. I can't understand exactly how you feel or what you're facing uh, but I know the one who does I can't bring peace into your heart today but I know the one who can I can't bring healing and reconciliation into the broken relationships of your life but I know the one who can I can't save you from sin and offer eternal life. I can't do that. But I know the one who stands ready to meet that need. It's time for us to receive it. You see, there's much in these verses that many overlook in the greater context, because next week we're going to talk about the feeding of the 5,000. And we're just all amazed and mesmerized by that. And we should be. But here in the meat of this message, in the meat of these verses, is a clear revelation to each and every one of us today that we should embrace and live under and that is that our Lord and Savior is concerned and he is compassionate about every individual need that you and I have he is aware of your existence and he cares deeply for you this morning as the team comes up to lead us in a closing song, because apparently I'm at the end of the sermon. There's no more pages. As they come up and they get ready to lead us in a closing song, I want you guys to grab a hold of this. 
If you're exhausted right now, Jesus wants to provide rest for you. If you're overwhelmed right now, Jesus wants to bring you peace. Now, I don't know what the answers to the exhaustion are. I don't know what the answers are for you not to be exhausted. I don't know what the answers are to remove that which is overwhelming you right now. All right, if I could write a book to solve all those problems, we'd be perfect. We'd be in great shape. We'd have all the resources we needed, and we did, I mean, just, you know, I keep getting told to write a book someday. I'm going to write a book about something that nobody else has wrote, written a book about, and when I figure out what that is, then I'll write that book, and then nobody else will have ever written it, and then I'll write it, and then you'll know about it, and then we'll all be good for it, okay? What I'm trying to say here is I don't have the answers, folks. But Jesus does. And no matter what you're facing right now, no matter what you're struggling with right now, He cares about you and He cares about what you're going through. And what He wants you to do is just bring it to Him. Let him pour his love and compassion out upon you. Because I'm going to tell you right now, none of us, none of us have the answer. Only he does. Amen? The disciples, when they came back from the trip, he gave them rest because he loved them. When they stepped off into the crowd, he taught them because he loved them. Whatever the need that they brought before him, he embraced them and he cared for them. He did that then and he's still doing it today. All you have to do is come and receive it. The altars are open this morning. There's communion set up on both sides and in the back. If you'd like someone to bring communion to you, just raise your hand and somebody will bring it to you. But what I want you to do for these next few moments as the band lead us in this closing song is I just want you to listen to what the Lord is speaking to you right now. And what I would love for you to do is respond to it. Respond to however he is speaking to you. Heavenly Father, this morning, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your presence today. And Lord, I am so thankful for the love and the compassion that we see in this passage today that you had for your disciples and you had for the multitudes that were surrounding you. And I am even more thankful for the fact that that love and compassion that you had for them, you still have for us here today. And that there is nothing that we face, there is nothing that we go through, there is no trial that we are in, that you are not there with us. And you are just asking us to surrender it to you. Lord, I pray today that we would surrender. I ask this in your precious name, Lord. Amen.